Welcome to episode 12 of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan in your Lost Without moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is it will all, all in need of a beacon like this in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope that Japan, along with the show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and for returning once more. Now on to today's show on part two of Fukuoka and Buddhist temple and shrine etiquette in Japan. So to start, let's begin with some positive mental imaging and carry that through today's show with your trip to Japan. As you arrive for your flight to Japan today, remember the left lane is for loading and unloading and double check you have your luggage, passport, and phone with you as you get out of the Lost Without Japan rideshare. As you go through the doors of TKIC International Airport, go ahead and take a few deep breaths and come along with your tour guide as we will get you on your way to either your first trip to Japan or return trip to Japan so we can make our own Lost Without moments. As we go through the security checkpoint, Make sure to stay with the tour group, and let's see how your preparation for our trip is going. Remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com, lostwithoutjapan on Instagram and YouTube or Twitter and Facebook at TKIC Studio. How are your dream come true savings account going? Hopefully, you're seeing this begin to grow, have forgotten about it happening at all, are pleasantly surprised at your progress. Just looking forward to positive things for you all. Heard back from fellow fan of the show, David, and can happily say we're able to celebrate his success with his gains made in his Japan savings account. And just to say something on the side too, really want to celebrate the fact that we are very near 100 listens for the month for Lost Without Japan. Just want to give you all thanks so very much and look forward to even more people being able to celebrate and just have a good time learning about Japan. Remember, as you're making that savings, no amount is too small. And all that matters is that we are either taking this first step or continuing forward together. Feel free to take advantage of your travel planner at any time for support or just so we can celebrate together. Still saving for future purchases is really where I'm aiming. Like I said, I have a couple big ones um, that will be coming up before our trip. And like I said, also looking to continue my weight loss uh, since my last trip to make sure that I can take full advantage of everything that I've saved from last time. So wish me luck. I did recently watch Lost in Translation again for some motivation. It's a movie that I go to uh, whenever either I need that like pick me up or need like continue focus of what I'm doing and where I'm going and just needed some positive vibes. My flight 
that I have booked uh, was rescheduled, and it's been rescheduled a few times, and that's not a big deal. But when clicking on the link to look further into it, it looks like the flight was canceled. So I'm uh, going to be getting together with my uh, travel buddy and my son tomorrow, and we're going to call um, Air Canada to see what's uh, going on. Um, but And if our show is interrupted by a phone call right now, it means they're getting back to me. Let's hope their, their long wait time is, uh, you know, good enough to get past this recording time. What are you looking to purchase next? Remember to take advantage of the show's link for recommendations for your trip to Japan with that Amazon link in the show description. I truly feel lucky that I have you and others in this journey together. So let's support each other. Let's help each other reach their dreams and goals and just have an outstanding time together. So congrats at making it through and finding your correct gate for your trip. Let's take a few moments to discuss important knowledge about Japan's current events or interesting happenings in Japan while we wait for our boarding to begin. Today's focus is going to be on Buddhist temple and Shinto shrine etiquette. Now, it's not necessary for you to remember everything that I talk about today. One thing you can do is just save this episode or, again, just realize that all you need to do as a tourist and someone from outside of Japan is be respectful, be quiet, bring some slippers to wear when you remove your shoes. And if that's all that you're looking to take it as, that's perfect. But today's talk is going to be, if you'd like to give, uh, you know, even more uh, for your shrine and temple experience and be as engaged as possible, this discussion is for you. First, What's the difference between shrines and temples? So let's start figuring out whether Buddhism involves shrines or temples. And let me tell you, even after all this time, it can take me a second to remember. But luckily, my way of remembering is stuck with me. Shinto starts with an S and so does shrines. So if you're visiting a shrine, it's a Shinto site. Another way to tell them apart in person is that shrines have a very simple gate called a tori. This is kind of a combination of red and orange color, or, and it can also be concrete and other things, just a very simple gate. The Sanman for Buddhist temples is way more involved, and usually um, larger temples even have two Neo or guardians that protect from evil that are on the sides. Um, there's one very famous one in Tokyo. Another very obvious sign, of course, is the inclusion of the actual, you know, Buddha itself. See a Buddha? You know, you're, you're not at a Shinto, Shinto uh, site. When visiting a temple or shrine, it's important to be respectful of the area and your surroundings. I also recommend keeping your volume level at a lower level and just be calm overall. When you're visiting a temple or shrine, you bow slightly before entering and walk to the side and just taking very care, like great care to not do the center as you cross through the gates. When entering a temple or shrine building, you may be required to take off your shoes. You leave your shoes on shelves at the entrance and take them with you, sometimes in a plastic bag, or just come back to them once you're out. You could wear nice socks, but I truly um, 
recommend slippers for indoor use and slippers in fact that actually have some cushion to them the more comfortable they are um, as you're walking around buildings that are just wooden floors uh, really makes a huge difference especially if you're planning on visiting more than one uh, for the day or just doing a lot of walking nothing's worse than just like already having done a lot of walking having your feet be sore and then just not being that kind to them as you're walking around. At some temples, visitors burn incense in large incense burners. If this is the case, you can purchase a bundle, light them, let them burn for a few seconds, and then extinguish the flame by waving your hand at it rather than blowing it out. You then put that incense on the incense burner and make a short prayer. Some people fan smoke towards themselves for healing purposes. For example, they might fan the smoke toward their shoulder if they have an injured shoulder. But lighting your own incense stick off of burning sticks of others is a big no-no because uh, since it kind of represents you're taking on someone else's sins. Photography is usually not permitted on the temple and shrine grounds. but. It's often forbidden inside buildings. So just realize that like outside of them, you may be able to take pictures. Once you go inside, it's gonna be a hard no, especially when you're looking at um, statues or Buddhist uh, you know, things that are there, just not gonna happen. A lot of temp- uh, temples or shrines though sell books or magazines with pictures in them. Uh, so if it's something you really wanna take with, uh, that's another option as well. When you're traveling, you'll often see signs asking uh, for you to like not take pictures if it is not allowed outside. And when in doubt, you can try to ask the shrine uh, like staff or temple staff when in doubt. You can kind of point to your picture, like, you know, your camera and uh, point to your surroundings and try to do it from there. Okay. After you've purified yourself at the temple, bow slightly. Gently toss a coin in the box in front of you and ring the bell if there is one. You can ring it two or three times. Bow slightly, pay your respects, put your hands together, but don't clap. So at a temple, you're not clapping, okay? If you choose, you can hold a string of beads or rosary while you pray. Again, this is how much you know, you're wanting to get into this and what your beliefs are that kind of impact that as well. Once you've done that, bow slightly one more time. For shrines, on the other hand, if you enter in very much the same way, you bow before you enter, stay outside outside of that middle lane, and you'll usually find a small pavilion filled with water to purify yourself before entering the main shrine. There'll be a small ladle uh, filled with, that you can fill with water. You end up taking that ladle of water and pour some over your left hand, then right, while holding the ladle with your left, and then pour some into your right hand and use it to kind of drink, like rinse your mouth. Don't drink directly from the ladle though. And once you are done with that, Let the remaining water that is in the ladle kind of run down the handle where you are holding it to help clean it. When you reach the main area of a shrine, bow slightly and gently, toss a coin into the box in front of you. The the amount of money truly doesn't matter, but many Japanese people believe that using a five yen coin 
the ones with the hole in it that you can see for necklaces and things, um, increase their chance of finding a significant other or making your luck received even better. After you ring the bell, if there is one two or three times to signal to the gods that you've arrived, deeply bow twice and the opposite of a temple, now you clap twice and slightly like in front and then pay your respects once more and deeply bow. After you're done visiting the shrine and ready to leave, you can choose to purchase an Emma, which are small wooden plaques in which you can write your wishes and hang them in different areas. You'll see uh, like different sections where you see all of these wooden plaques. All of these offerings are meant to be received by the gods. Obomori can be purchased and are often seen decorating bags, homes, cars, etc. They're meant to either ward off evil. Obomori, uh, like for road safety, good luck on test. Baby deliveries are in popular souvenirs. I myself have bought some of these small charms and love buying them as gifts. Some of them are for easy baby delivery and some uh, that I've given to friends. I've just kind of held on to in my uh, drawer and when I find out one of my friends is pregnant um, and going to be delivering, I give that to him. It's just something small, very well made, and just cute. And if it adds even the smallest amount of positiveness to uh, someone else, that's huge. Um, I even have one that was just health for um, kids that I had in both my son and daughter's rooms. My daughter still has hers hanging next to the bed, and it's something that I hope she continues to hang there for some time. It's been there since 2004, and uh, like I said, just want it to be there for that much longer. One last thing to consider. There are commemorative stamps called shuin that are offered at shrines and temples as a memento of you having paid your respects. I purchased a very nice book from a shrine that and I received a stamp in there that kind of had a date and time and name all in Japanese. And what I'd like to do on my next visit is just use that book to collect these stamps from other shrines and temples that I visit. Honestly, I don't think there's enough souvenirs or reminders that I can bring back with me from Japan. So I'm happy to have one more thing that I can kind of flip through or look at that can help bring me back to Japan when our trip is still kind of like in flux or not sure when we're going to be back. Now it's time to board our plane. Stow your overhead luggage and make it to our seats. As we sit and wait for the drink cart, I feel like this is a perfect time to discuss today's travel ideas and tourist spots for Fukuoka Part 2. Once again, the Google Map link for today's show topic is included in the notes for those of you who'd like to follow along with me. I'm going to give just a few moments here for you to click on that link. And you'll see in the Fukuoka link that there are the things we talked about from last week's show, along with our new um, locations for today. Okay, thank you all. Here we go, Fukuoka Japan Part 2. I'm going to start including a brief synopsis of each city to start our talks in the part one podcast for, for each one that we cover and discuss. I think it'd be beneficial to most and something not everyone in our community will know offhand. 
My promise is to keep this information section brief, just in case you're already very knowledgeable about the city being covered. Our focus is always to improve your first or next visit. So I want to make sure that you have all the information possible to cover some main tourist locations, but also largely focus on things off the beaten path and items not normally discussed in detail when you visit these travel websites. If you have any more, uh, if you're in need of any more depth or have questions about it, feel free to reach out to me. Fukuoka is the capital city of Fukuoka Prefecture. It's located on the northern part of Kyushu Island. Because of it being closer to Seoul than Tokyo and to mainland Asia, it's a huge harbor city and has been so for many years. Fukuoka as it's known today is a result of the combination of two cities in 1889. As it was known as then was the city of Hakata and formal castle town of Fukuoka were merged. As it is though, the area of Hakata is still an important area to the city and host of the city's main railway station. The total metropolitan area population is thought to be around two and a half million, so no small city. As an add-on to our um, talks today, I wanted to include some temples and shrines, so here's some pretty interesting ones. Tochiji Temple, Buddhist temple and home to a 10-meter wooden Buddha, is an easy walk from Hakata Station. This temple has a very inexpensive fee of 50 yen, which basically covers the cost of three sticks of incense and a candle for prayer. Parking is available and free. It's also, according to reviews, a place for people to go to enjoy lunch, especially around cherry blossom time. There usually aren't a huge number of people around, except in the evening, and everyone wants to pray at the shrine around 4 to 5 p.m. in the evening. In that time, around November 1st through 5th, at night, there's a Hakata walk that's filled with lights. The cost is 1,500 yen, about $15. But to make the most of the event, you can include nearby temples, Jotunji, and other locations as well for even more beauty. According to some locals, Jotunji has the best light show out of all of them. Whenever you get a chance of to possibly interact with someone or see people in their daily lives as you're traveling from place to place, you really can't pass it up when this opportunity arises. Who knows? You may make a friend or just have a good conversation. And from looking online at some of these pictures, simply breathtaking. Next, Jotunji Buddhist Temple. It's about a 10-minute walk from JR's Hakata Station. You'll notice it just after entering Jotunji Dori on your right. As you pass the main gate labeled Jotunzinzi, and we'll see three stone monuments on your left. Two of them are supposed to represent the area being a birthplace for udon, soba, and buns. And the garden is supposed to be beautiful, but as I was saying earlier, they, this location does not allow photography. Kushida Shrine looks to be the oldest and most visited shrine for the area and has over 8,000 reviews. The shrine is located in the central part of Fukuoka, more toward the Hakata portion of the city. It is close to the Gion subway station and has a sign pointing in the direction as you exit the station. If you're driving there, there's plenty of parking as well. Entrance is free, but donations are accepted. There are even information sheets or brochures available at the main shrine building. 
The shrine is known for the Hakata Gion Festival, which includes the use of floats that are 10 meters tall. And the cool part is the shrine tends to have one on display in the back. So even if you're not there for festival time, you can see one in person. The shrine also has a thousand year old ginkgo tree in the front of the main hall. The huge um, rounded stones that are in this area as well are thought to be anchors from either a Mongol invasion or just anchors from Chinese trading ships. The shrine is open from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day and even lit up with light as nighttime falls. There are plenty of restaurants nearby, hotels, and shopping as well. Now on to one of my favorite things uh, about Japan, Koko Ichibanya. I absolutely love Japanese curry. The rumor going around is that I've eaten five times this meal in one day. One of my favorite chains to visit when I'm in Japan is Koko Ichibanya. The food is always super quick, super reasonable in price, and even if you don't like curry that you've tried in the past, please give it Japanese curry a chance. My daughter, who can be a very picky eater, loves it. The nice part is also that every location has an English menu. They offer English menus at every location and the staff is always friendly. They, they even have a website completely in English along with a menu and even how to order your food, all in English. I can save from my past mistakes to just order the normal amount of rice. Going from 200 grams to 500 grams was a poor, poor choice on my part and had my stomach whole body angered me for the rest of the day. The food for Kokoichi Banya is as wonderful and very filling. You can always see that it's super hot and one thing that you can do is you can actually change the spiciness level. You can change the number of pork cutlets. You can really customize your meal, which is again, um, not a normal thing while in Japan. Um, I would probably say that you could stick around one or two. <laughs> um, don't go to 10 unless you are truly someone that is normally used to eating super, super hot things. Um, it's just uh, something that you'll regret. So one or two, and then when you visit again, kind of go from there. I've um, even heard that the location that is in Fukuoka has manga available to read as well. Now, for those of you lucky to live in California at one of their four locations in the United States, you can visit one like before you even make your way to Japan. So if you're going to California, you're going to a baseball game in Los Angeles, for example, look for Koku Ichibanya and you can have a wonderful experience before you even leave the United States. Another uh, location that I want to talk about today is Ichiran Ramen. The cool thing about this one, this chain, is it's the actual flagship store in the original store for Ichiran Ramen chain. So it's... Ichibanya is known for its universal quality at all of its locations. And I think you can see that in the fact that it has over 7,000 reviews on Google alone. A nice thing about the larger chains when you visit one is they're more likely to have an English menu. And 
Not only do they have an English menu, they have English on their order slips. This looks to be the case for Ichiran as well. And there's even some posters um, at this location on the walls that have some English as well to help you out. This chain um, really, really is unique as it really lets you customize your meal. You're usually having to take things uh, when you go to locations as the chef intends. And there's not like you can say, well, can I have a little less rice? Can I have this instead? Can you change this out? What you order is truly um, what you get. Although they only serve uh, um, tonkatsu style broth with their ramen, you have control over its spiciness. Service for Ichiran is super quick. So much so, in fact, um, that some reviewers said they could order, eat, and be out in under 10 minutes. From what I've read, the current staff for this location does not speak English, but it's not an issue as you enter, you put your coins in the machine at the front and then take your receipt to your seat. After going to write your options on the piece of paper that's at your seat that lets you customize your ramen, you push a button or ring a bell. You should have your food within seven minutes or sooner, unless it's truly busy. The first floor is for people that are with a group. The second floor is for individual booths if you're going on your own. Anytime I've visited one of these locations, the line moves quickly, but it's probably best to avoid the busiest times if you're looking to have a more relaxing experience. I'm not looking to go in and out uh, in 10 minutes uh, most times, but hey, sometimes if you're trying to get somewhere uh, quickly and trying to fit in things to your day, can't pass that up. Pre-COVID, a lot of these locations were 24 hours, but right now it looks to be uh, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Also, if you can't wait and live in the United States, once again, you can actually order a take-home ramen kit and have them shipped directly to you. Although they're not cheap, I may have to order one for Father's Day, especially if my travel plans are pushed off once again. Uh, For these packs are around $30. They have three meals, and although it's not going to be the same thing as being at the actual location... Hey, what can you do? Uh, You know, it's at least something close to what you're looking to get. Now, um, I don't want to just stay with only chains, but if you're looking to get off the beaten path a little bit, you can go to um, Ramen Unari Nakasu. Looking through local reviews, I stumbled across a non-chain ramen shop that definitely caught my eye. Not only do they offer standard tonkatsu ramen for the area, but they also had a seafood tonkatsu. Tonkatsu and a green pesto ramen that received a lot of positive views. Without being a chain, they already have near a thousand reviews. This is a small shop that only has two tables and five chairs, so off peak times would be like really recommended. Also, there's no mention of English menus or staff that speaks English, so make sure you have your Google scan and translate ready to go or an app that does that for you and be prepared to point at you like. And this is something I want to say, like don't feel like you have to stay with chains, don't feel like you can't you can't go into places. Some locations in Japan will have pictures of what they have and are you can get outside. So in your own relaxed pacing, you can scan these things, find what you want, take a picture, save it in your phone, and then when you go inside, point to those options when your server comes by. Sometimes they're the the um, very ornate and real looking plastic models as well. Just 
you know, one thing that I do, like as I'm going from out, is I'll have a picture of a Coke um, and just meals that I picture. Uh, visit their Japanese website if they have one. Take pictures of everything that you want and point to it. It's so, uh, like, it's worked for me over numerous trips to just, like, point to what I want on my phone and move on. So it is possible. Murata is another location of Soba, Soba Noodles and Tempura Shop. It's near Hakata Station in Kushida Shrine. This location, yes, has an English menu available when you ask the staff. The shop is located down a very quiet side street. The staff is repeated to be patient and kind from numerous visitors. Numerous of you speak of saying they would return in an instant. The location seems to have been in an area for a while, and if you're seated toward the back, appears to have a small garden. Price seems to be around $30 for tempura and udon, so it's not as an inexpensive as your ramen or a Coco Ichibanya recommendation, but how can you pass up eating at such an authentic location with English menu? Also, as you travel throughout Japan, you'll quickly notice, much like ramen, that each region has their own take on these dishes. Robata Hayaku Ikasi Japanese Dining Tub Pub. One great visit for our 20 and over crowd when visiting Japan or Izakaya. Remember though, that you'll be giving Otoshi a small Japanese appetizer that you will be charged for regardless of asking for it or not eating it. Don't get upset by this. Don't let it bother you. Consider it like a, a sitting experience fee. So like you're paying for the space that you're taking up in this izakaya. That's what these items are. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. Like, just consider it a rental fee for where you're at and, you know, continue on. You don't want to pass this location up. These are great locations to meet Japanese after a work day as they look to have a quick drink and quick bite to eat. This location is open from around 3 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. and is located an eight-minute walk from the Nishitu Fukuoka Station and looks to accept reservations through jpneazy.com. Like the JP, like Japan Easy, just jpneazy.com. You can do that in English. Uh, there's a fee for that, though. For parties of one to five, it is 300 yen. Or for parties of six or more, it's 300 yen per person. So think of that as like around six dollars for your, like you know your your groups. Like if you have like different things that are here, but like one to five people is around 300 yen. That's three dollars. Groups of six or more are 300 per person. So if I have six people, that's 18 dollars. But don't let it like you know think about this though. If you're making a reservation, you could do this before you even leave, and you know you're going to be able to enjoy this location. They don't take same-day reservations, and it looks like this is a hard place to get a reservation, and I'm sure COVID has not made that any easier. So try, before you even fly out, to go ahead and book uh, your spot. You're not going to be disappointed. Motsunube. Rocket the Rock and Tenchi Tenchi BR Hot Pot Experience. 
with over 3,500 reviews, a very unique Japanese eating experience. This restaurant is located on the second floor. If you look through the Google reviews, you can see the red and white sign to help you know you found the correct location. It looks to be a three minute walk from the Nishitu Fukuoka station and a two minute walk from Tinji, Tinjin subway station. There are no tables to sit at with chairs. Instead, you'll be sitting on tatami mats. If this is not for you, there are four other locations in the area of different restaurants that also share this same hot pot experience that have like chairs and stools. It looks to also be and um, have some like all you can eat options. Um, and this would be a great if you're traveling with others or if you made friends in the area and you're looking to enjoy a meal together that is like really unique for the area. This location looks to be open from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. currently. One nice thing about this location is if you click on the online order button within Google Maps, you can translate your, your menu before you even go in. Man, I love technology, and I feel like from when I went last in 2019 till now, there's continuing to be gains being made. Love it. One last note is that Fukuoka has um, what Sapporo and Tokyo have as well, which is a lot of street food stalls to explore as well. Who knows what you will find that can't be found by internet searches alone. Let me just say, after researching this city, I am as excited to visit Japan this summer as I have been since before, like, the COVID area. This is just one of those things I couldn't be happier, and I can see that after I visit with my son, that my next trip is easily going to probably just be spending time with my friends in Hiroshima and then spending time in Fukuoka, which is very nearby and close. And just having that maybe be a week of time where I'm in Japan, I get to enjoy it a bit and keep saving towards a longer trip that following year. Look forward to a new location in Japan with episode 13, where we learn the benefits of buying coffee as we begin our visit of Osaka. With as much fun as it was to research the city, I can't wait to see what we find together next. Please give a follow, a like, and a comment on your favorite streaming service. For updates on the show, feel free to give a follow on Instagram at Lost Without Japan or visit lostwithoutjapanlipson.com. If you'd like to reach out to the show directly, feel free to use the good old-fashioned email at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. I also want to say a big thank you again to our sponsor, the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast, and this super brief advertisement will go at the end of today's show. If you could give a listen and check them out, it'd be much appreciated. We're landing now. You've arrived in Japan. So on behalf of the Lost Without Japan and our entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip. And we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks as we get ready for episode 13. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, my friends. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Turner, with my co-host, 
Fogrell, Brian Limper. And when you need a break from planning your upcoming trip or maybe even your first trip to Japan, be sure to come check us out on the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast, your number one source for all things K-Pop related.